Welcome back to First Draft Phil. My name is Phil Lager, and all I have to say, guys, is you're in for a treat today. Um, it was such a blessing for me to talk to my friend, Aaron McLean. Uh, and this first part of our conversation is just uh, what it's just an amazing story about what God brought him through um, to get to where he is today. This this first part of our conversation is just all about um, how he grew up, what his story was, how he came to faith in Christ, hit rock bottom. I, I'm I'm just gonna let you uh, listen, uh, be blessed, and see what the Lord might have to say to you through my brother Aaron McLean. Enjoy. I'm so excited to have on my podcast today uh, my friend, my brother in Christ, worship leader, um, artist, musician extraordinaire, uh, Aaron McLean. Aaron, thanks so much for being on my podcast, man. Good to be here, brother. Now, you're going to hear straight away, and before we even started this podcast, this episode, you're going to hear straight away uh, that, that Aaron's voice is, it sounds like something's going on with your voice. So let's just get that out of the way, man. Just maybe just let people know what's going on with your voice. Yeah. Um, somewhere towards the end of March of this year, I started to experience like a hoarseness that just wouldn't go away. So I went to the doctor and uh, I turned out to have a, a benign cyst on my vocal cords. Which I guess in our line of work is not super uncommon mm. uh, from what the doctor told me. But uh, me and my wife are believing God for a miracle that we won't have to get surgery or anything. And there's a possibility that it could disappear. But I had a crazy week of praising Jesus. So <laughs> um, at the risk of sounding overly spiritual, uh, I... I had a weekend of praising Jesus, and my voice sounds a little bit more fatigued than usual, even with the cyst. Gotcha. So that's what's going on. Well, man, uh, we had a little moment of prayer before we even uh, thank. Thanks for letting me pray with you before we started this. Uh, and I just and just encourage people who are listening right now. Whenever this comes out, just continue to keep Aaron in your prayers. Now, I did. I want to let you know, people who are listening, think Phil, you're so mean. You why don't you just let him do another interview some other time? And I want to let you know that I said straight away. <laughs> let's. So Aaron's pressing on because he's assured me that this is not going to hurt his voice more. So, yes, um, yes. Full disclosure, <laughs> Phil said let's reschedule. I said. No, I'm good. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so he is not forcing me to do this. Okay. Aaron, the first thing I like to do is just is ask my guest, um, for people who may not know you, just maybe tell just a little bit of your story, how you came to faith in Christ, um, and then maybe we'll go from there into how you started leading worship. Yeah, so um, I, I grew up in the church. Um, my dad 
was an addict in the 80s and uh, he got clean and sober and saved at a Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Center in Newark, New Jersey. Mm. Um, it's where he met my mom. Uh, and my mom was like, you're, if you got, if you want any shot with me, you've got to get clean and sober. And so relationship with my mom obviously was the incentive and uh, Jesus was the reward. So, mm. so he, uh, he gave his life to Jesus and um, I'm the youngest of uh, eight kids, uh, five from previous relationships and three with my mom uh, in marriage. And uh, I've been in church my whole life. So that that's, that's my connection to church, the Salvation Army, and and Jesus as a whole. Mm. Kind of played the played the Christian role as a kid um, in the Salvation Army. We have uh, what we call junior soldiers. So I was a junior soldier, and then I became a more mature member of the church. So I became a senior soldier. <laughs> yeah, um, and I served in every capacity that uh, a young member of the Salvation Army would, from camp to conservatories to weekend camps to um, planning lock-ins mm-hmm. at 15, 16 years old um, to ring bells at kettle time outside of grocery stores and in the like. So in thrift stores and the whole nine yards. Um, but on August the 2nd, 2012, I was at one of these camps called Territorial Youth Institute, and during a worship moment with our good brother, Marty Michaels, I gave my life to Jesus after after an open vision that I had at that conference during a specific worship set. Hmm. If, if I got time, I, I'll tell this quick story. Go ahead, man. Uh, I came to faith. So um, I was on my phone. It was a Wednesday night, never forget it, playing shoot bubble. <laughs> and um, my dear friend Dwayne uh, was up worshiping, and the song was Came to My Rescue by Hillsong. Mm. And my friend Dwayne was like, Aaron, get off your phone. And I was like, okay, I'll get off my phone. Everyone was standing, I was seated. And um, he said, Aaron, get off your phone, get off your phone. I was like, I'll I'll get up in a minute. I'll get up in a minute. I just got to beat this level right here. It's a hard level to beat. (laughs) And so without warning, my phone dies. Um, It just kind of cuts off on me. So I figured, well, now's a good time as any to engage. And no more than maybe a couple of moments after I stood up, I began to see uh, what what I believe was the throne of God and um, it was really bright, really big, and I began to sing. Hmm. Um, it was just like my knee-jerk response hmm. to, to, to what I was witnessing. And um, safe to say, I kind of blacked out a, a little bit, um, but I was I saw what I feel. I saw the Lord kind of seated on His throne, wow. and I just began to worship and. I blacked out, and when I came to, uh, the sanctuary was empty, and I was like really disoriented, like, oh, what is going on? Hmm. And all of the um, wow. 
all of the delegates and staff had went to their cabins for the night. And I was maybe about 15 minutes, like 15 minutes towards curfew, uh, until curfew. So I got up and ran to my cabin and my, my friend Dwayne greeted me when I, when I got to the door. And he was like, what was that? And I was like, what was what? He was like, dude, like, you, like, went off. And I was like, um, <laughs> I don't know, don't really know what you mean. He's like, well, Marty was singing, and you just started to sing this whole new song. Like, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And sure enough, everyone started to sing the song that you were singing. Wow. And... And it like spread across the room like a wind. It just, this is the way I'm talking to me. It just spread across the room. It started off with the people in our section and then the section over and then the section over that. And so the whole sanctuary was singing what you were singing, including Marty on the stage. Wow. And I'm like, and I, I vaguely remember it. I don't remember the phrase that I was singing, but apparently like it just, it just swept through. And I said to him, I said, well, I don't, I don't really know, <laughs> kind of a little disoriented, but I do know that um, Jesus is everything and he's real and he showed himself to me and I, I got to follow him. Praise the Lord. And, and so that's how I gave my life to the Lord. That's awesome, that was, man. That was August 2nd of, of 2012. So from there, um, I fell into probably the worst three years of my life. <laughs> oh, wow. The enemy, I, I gave, the enemy came after you. Yeah, I, I gave my life to the Lord. And um, I started off, quite honestly, having to live within the consequences of, of the season prior to that encounter I had with the Lord. I was, I was uh, in college and just kind of living the way I wanted to, doing what I wanted to. Um, I still went to my local Salvation Army Corps, but like, I just, I mean, I, I did the college thing. I was, I was uh, 18 going on 19 and I did what I wanted. And um, I didn't go to class. I, I literally did whatever I wanted. And as a result, I ended up not being able to go back to school. Um, I had no money. Um, I was on academic probation because I was failing all my classes. And I went back to school like, I'm going to be this change man for Jesus on campus. Like, I'm going to go to all my classes. I'm going to start a Bible. I had every intent mm. on like going and just radically changing the the college I was at for, for Jesus. And then all of those dreams came to a screeching halt. Hmm. 
Uh, I ended up going back to Marietta, Georgia, where, where I spent the majority of my life. Hmm. And um, my grandmother, I moved in with my grandmother. And my grandmother, being old school and being an old school salvationist, she said, you got two choices, work or school. And I couldn't go back to school, obviously, so work it was. And uh, I couldn't find a job. It was 2012. The job market wasn't super great. But I found myself at the Salvation Army Pantry, working in the pantry, um, stocking cans, feeding the homeless, that whole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would go to the chapel at the keyboard and I would use whatever little music theory I learned in college and I learned from the Salvation Army mm. um, and formulated a, a, a playing style around that. So I would go... One three five, one three five, one three five, one three five, all the way up and down the keyboard until I learned how to play. Hmm. Um, very basic kind of block chords. I'm coming back to the heart five, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and one day, uh, the pastor, the co-officer steps into the chapel and he says, you know, we need a, we need a, we need a keyboardist. A pianist, do you think you'd be interested? And I'm like, no, like <laughs> I am not ready. I do not have that expertise. That's, no, 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 no. And one thing came to another, and I ended up being being the the worship leader of my of my church. And again, it was very basic, very very simple. I was the only musician there at the time, like mm. that, that could play worship music. Um, and again, block chords, you know, very simple. Yeah. So as you look back on that time, as you were just starting out, uh, and just like you, like you said, just playing those block chords, if you can put yourself back there, what do you, what do you think the Lord was, was teaching you and showing you in those early days as you were just starting out and, and leading worship? Yeah. What, what was that like for you? Oh, man. I was first and foremost really upset. Hmm. Um, I was really upset that. God did not um, come through for me for school. Hmm. I was really, really upset. Hmm. And um, I was upset that I was back in my hometown. I was upset that I was living with my grandmother. I was upset that I didn't have a job. I was just really bitter. The season, I would define it with like bitter obedience is the word I would use. Hmm. Like the phrase I would use, like I was obedient to what God wanted me to do. I feel, but I was not happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was almost like, felt like I was forced into it. Hmm. So um, I would get really frustrated at the keys. Um, I wanted to play all of these funky, nice seventh chords, diminished <laughs> passing chords, these, these gospel voicings that, that I grew to love because mm. of my dad. Mm. Um, but I was stuck playing these major chords and, and I couldn't, I didn't have the basis of understanding of how to voice chord structures yet. Yeah. So I would get mad. I would slam the, the top of the keyboard down. And as much as I was learning how to play the keys, I was also learning the voice of God. And I was learning... I was, I was learning discernment. Like he was developing discernment in me. 
So I would get mad. I'll slam the keyboard and be halfway to the door. And the Holy Spirit with just a gentle nudge would, would say to me, turn around, hmm. go back, try it again. I love it. And it was very tender, but it was like, I was very reverent because like that was a new experience hearing what I believe was the Holy Spirit telling me, turn around, try it yeah. again. Yeah. Go back. I'm not yeah. done with you yet. That's You're awesome. going to get this. So my bitterness and my frustrations with the Lord, my frustrations with my life and my own choices and, you know, being 19 years old and being entitled and blaming everyone else for whatever was going on. Um, sure. All of that. All mm. of that. Mm. From that moment where you're, you're just starting out to leading worship and God is refining you and, and teaching you stuff, um, what were the next steps for you and what were you... Because I know we had a moment together that that was amazing for me to witness, but I, I want to let you get there, and I want to let you tell the story of how you got there. Are we referring to 2015? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So once I became the worship leader at my church, and I say this, I say this, and look, can I, can I be transparent with you? This is first draft, Phil. That's the whole point of this podcast, man, is transparency. Great. 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 Um, well, I'm going to be very... Very, very honest with you here. Um, you know, I think what our church does well is training people in service. What I think is something that we're still learning to do is discipleship. And so coming into faith, I knew how to serve. Hmm. I knew how to be in the pantry. Hmm. I knew how to not take a mic and not be on the stage. And I knew how to don an apron and ring a bell for, for nine hours. Mm-hmm. You know, like I knew how to serve. Yeah. What I didn't know was how to pursue God. And that came a little bit more difficult for me. And so after I became the worship leader of our church, I immediately went into, okay, where can I go to serve? Hmm. Um, where can I go where I can get paid, where I can, you know, provide for myself. I need a job, but I needed a job in this line of work. So, um, the next couple of years, I'm going to, I'm going to shorten this here. The, the next couple of years, uh, from 2012 to fall of 2015, was me just trying to find out where best I serve. I was a music coordinator at a church in Augusta. I was what they call a BFI, a youth pastor in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, I did odd jobs like pizza delivery and Starbucks, and I became a barista in the process and just trying to figure out where I fit. And this thing that God has given me, this burden to um, to lead people in worship, but not just lead them in worship, but to give them language for the experience, like to give them language for the encounter, yeah. how to how to how to facilitate that encounter on their own, mm-hmm. like outside of a worship moment. Like my heart began began to feel very heavy with this thing. Mm-hmm. How do I do it? And so I I job hopped I. I state hopped, mm. and 
I uh, couch hopped because I was <laughs> virtually homeless. And <laughs> that came with a lot of like depression. It came with a lot of, um, I battled suicidal thoughts and tendencies. Um, I had a couple of attempts in my life <laughs> um, at suicide that, praise God, obviously failed. <laughs> I uh, did drugs. I fell into an addiction to pornography. I um, smoked and drank and did whatever. I, I I would say that like I fell away from my first love, like that first moment, that vision with the Lord, because I was I just felt like He had abandoned me. Like I I gave my whole life, I I committed my life to You, hmm. and now my life is kind of falling apart. Hmm. And what do I do with this? I'm like, yeah, sleeping at church members' houses, and I'm sleeping in my car, and I don't have money, and 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 um, the relationship I was in at the time was was more of a pain than it was a a, a peaceful thing, and, and and there was so many things that was happening in my life at the moment um, that I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Hmm. Um, and you feel like that, I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. Those were all connected to the, the, the passion in your heart to do what you felt the Lord had equipped you and called you to do, but met with the frustration of where you, that, you, that it wasn't, that both you weren't where you wanted to be and there was a lack of discipleship. Uh, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, I would say like, it's a, it's a mix between both, right? Like, cause I, I won't. I won't blame mm. people for what they didn't do or what they did do. Sure. Like I did at one point, like that, that gets me nowhere. Right. Right. But, but if I can look back on it, I would say, I wish I had discipleship and I wish I would have been slow to speak and slow to become angry. Yeah. I wish I would have had that trait uh, earlier on. Yeah, I wish I would have not been so bitter for so long um, about where I was and, 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 and building up resentment towards people. Sure. Um, my mom, my grandmother, my brothers, uh, so on and so forth. Um, I wish I would have been been a lot more yeah. um, patient with, with myself and with others. Um, but the moment that the moment that you're referring to was after the worst season I had experienced mm. in my life thus far. Mm. Um, I had, I was at that moment, I was rebounding from a suicide attempt and being homeless. I was squatting in a red roof inn with um, some church members who had lost their home basically. And so uh, I slept on the floor next to a leaky air conditioner with a family dog. And then um, I uh, felt like, Lord, this is okay. I would just rather see you than live this life. Yeah. So um, I attempted, I, I, I attempted at my life and, and the Lord uh, saved me. A, a fellow believer, a fellow soldier, um, my sister Tito prayed me through the night, and 
Wow. Um, prayed me until the next morning. This was, you would understand this and probably even appreciate this. This was a commissioning weekend. And it happened to be on my birthday because my birthday always lands on commissioning weekend. Mm. Um, but uh, she prayed me through the night. I ended up homeless for a few weeks. And my mom was like, okay, I need to intervene here. Um, I ended up going to Florida because the ocean is my happy place. And I spent every morning, every afternoon, every day just at the ocean. Mm. And in the meantime, I got connected to a young pastor. His name was Antoine Yoakum. And he was like, hey, I heard you're a worship leader. And I would love for you to come and sing with us on our, on our, you know, welcome Sunday at our new church. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm not in a place to do that. Hmm. And um, again, through the Lord, you know, kind of in his way, uh, got me to go there. And that was the South Atlanta Croc Center off of uh, Metropolitan Parkway. So I started to lead worship there. He said, hey, would you like to go to TYI? And my initial response was no. Um, mm, I was coming. That, again, I, that was the place because that was the place where God had already, you had this moment, but now you're back someplace completely different. Right. And, and the, the other thing about that was that my brother, Denzel, um, who was now a, officer in the Salvation Army, now a minister of the gospel of the Salvation Army, um, was coming into a season where he was realizing who he was in Christ. And I was just, I, I wouldn't even say I was at the starting line. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, that that season, man, um, the suicide attempt, I got hit by a drunk driver. Um I mean, just like all kinds of, mm. just all kinds of crazy stuff that I'm skipping over, but yeah. uh, just, it was just the worst, worst season. And I didn't think my life was worth living. And so when my mom stepped in and I had some sort of rehabilitation in in Florida, I came back to Atlanta and my pastor, Antonio Yochum was like, um, you should go to TYI. Yeah. And I was, wasn't really ready, but I said, okay. So I went and I humbled myself. I I felt like I had nothing to offer. I felt like everyone kind of knew who I was, but they didn't know what I had become. Uh, and I would say the same thing about everyone around me. Mm. So uh, our our mutual brother, BDZ, Bernie Dake, yep. uh, the, 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 the incomparable Bernie Dake, that's mm. what I like to call him sometimes, um, mm. uh, uh, came up to me and you were there for this conversation um, and you guys were going through your own difficult season um, but he uh, came to me and he said hey um, we'd love for you to sing with us on the last you know last kind of tiwai hoorah mm-hmm. and I was like sure um, and the reason why I want to I want to preface, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, the reason why I said yes is because you guys were larger than life to me. Hmm. Like you guys were heroes, hmm. still are, hmm. still are heroes. In that moment, um, of course, with the suicide attempt and with the homelessness and the being hit by a drunk driver and almost losing my life twice that year, like. Hmm. I was listening to 
songs that you guys wrote. Yeah, wow. Songs that Transmission wrote to get me through, literally get me through. Um, and so you guys were larger than life to me. So it felt like an opportunity to be like, oh my gosh, like I get to worship alongside my heroes, but also they have no idea that I am shattered into a million pieces. Like I am broken mm. underneath all of this, you know, all, of, all uh, underneath all of this, this TYI stuff and everything mm. that's going on. So well, pre- let's press pause right there because. It's so like as I'm listening to you tell your story uh, and your testimony and, and and the things that God brought you through. Um, I mean, there's there's um, it, it's really interesting because in a real similar way for both Marty and myself and this old band called Quarter Past Three, we way back in the day at a youth institute, much the same. We had an encounter with the Lord and in worship time where worship just would not stop. The presence of the Lord fell thick in this, on, this, on this campground where we were way back in the day. And it was from there that God called us out. He, he began to say, this is what I want you to do. And it's so beautiful, man. It's so to to hear you. You know, even the God knew what was ahead. What you what was ahead for you is not a surprise to God, right? That what you were going to go through, mm-hmm. and what the enemy would try to do to you. Um, it's amazing to hear. You know th- that moment that the genesis. You know for that of that for you, and then that seed that was planted, and that the enemy hates, right? Wanted to kill, steal, and destroy, and was out for you from the moment that seed was planted. So when you came up to lead, when when when, when that conversation, bring it back around to what you were just talking about, you know, when Bernie and I were talking, and and um, it was so clear to me, Aaron, as I was, because I was just a fill-in for that, right? I, I wasn't meant mm-hmm. to be there. It was so clear to me that the Lord was doing something. He was passing a baton or he was blessing you uh, and by extension other people through that of like, yep, it's time. So it's time for other people to step up. Um, I'm thrilled that I got to be a part of that to see you step into uh, to, to begin to take the steps, you know, into what God, the destiny that God had for you. God is so good, uh, and it is such a privilege to talk to people about their story and how they came to faith in Christ. Hey, if you're enjoying these conversations uh, about worship and music and following Jesus, please give me a like or subscribe um, and a five-star rating on Apple Music or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next week, we're going to continue our conversation with Aaron um, and just hear a little bit more about his story, how he went from um, this moment that we left off today um, to the next season of his life. And we're going to talk about uh, maturity and discipleship and growth. Uh, And it's going to be a great conversation. So tune in next week. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time on First Draft Phil. Mm -hmm.